Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Titanic was the biggest ship on the ocean, but that didn't mean it was unsinkable. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I want you to use Ombudsman in a sentence next week. I got one for you. My name is Kevin, the official Ombudsman of the Just First Play Podcast. You like apples? All right, welcome back into another edition of the Just Press Play podcast. I got my man Pops with me. We have a lot to talk about today. First off, Pops, let me just say, how you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. How are you doing? I yeah, I can't complain. You know, um, I'm kind of thinking about all the the. I know a buddy of Mar- a buddy of both of ours, Dylan's out there, been working storm mm. damage after Laura came through. I know Louisiana got hit really hard. Yeah. It seems like, uh, and we were fortunate. I don't know for sure, but Texarkana, it seemed like y'all were pretty fortunate over there, right? We were spared. Yeah, we were really spared here. And here in Little Rock, it, it, it came through those hard storms, and there were some trees down. But for the most part, it was not the damage we thought it could be. So I'm I'm thankful for that, but I'm also thinking about all the people. I've seen some of the footage from like Lake Charles specifically and just different areas in Louisiana. I mean, it is torn to pieces. Yeah. And of all time, I mean, there's never a good time for your home to get ripped apart. But now, of all times, where you don't know if you should want to, you don't really want to put a bunch of people in a shelter. It's just a, it's, right. a, it's a crappy time, and I'm thinking a lot about the people in Louisiana and affected by this storm, you know, and the people like Dylan out there working and trying to get power back because that, that's not fun either. It really uh, this one I don't know was brought home because you know where we live, hurricanes is not something we typically worry about. You know, so it's like, okay, hurricane, I hate it for, you know, the coastline and all that. But this one was going to, had a good chance of getting Texarkana and it veered to the east. And so, so it was, I really, it just brought home to me while I was very thankful that we, it missed us. I just realized by shifting east, that's hitting some people that they didn't think would get hit. You yeah. know, it's just you think you think, oh man, we got lucky, but really that just means someone somebody else got, really else got unlucky yeah. also. Yeah. And it 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 was very uh I don't know what the word is, but it just made me more compassionate to those people and and very feel very lucky that we didn't have the damage that could have happened. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I can remember all the time, especially it seems like Texarkana, knock on wood, is one of the those areas growing up where a tornado may be coming, but it seems to split or move or it doesn't really like the warnings are all there and then ends up being OK. Mm. And especially as a kid, but just in general, you think, oh, whew, all right, we're good. Yeah, that means someone else isn't somebody no, would just someone else got in the path. So, yeah, that's a good point. I just want I've been thinking about that because it was really working in news. We covered a lot of it and I see just all the the damage in other areas and. I just can't imagine one day you have a home and the next day you don't have a home at all. Yeah. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. Me too. 
Um, we'll get into it. It's kind of a, there's a little bit of some bummer stuff to talk about. It's kind of been a tough week, you know, with news, but there's also some sports going on. We got some NBA action going. We are moving into round two. It is a good thing, Pops, that me and you did not make that big bet on the Mavericks going to the finals. <laughs> they put up a valiant effort, but they lost to the Clippers in six. So we didn't make that bet, but the, the good thing is, our boys over at Bet Online are always ready for us to fire off another bet. If, if we had wanted to, we could have made it. <laughs> yeah, so there's no shortage of action going on. College football has actually started back. The UCA Bears won the first game oh, wow. of the college football season on Saturday okay. against Austin P. Let's go P. Let's go P. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, so college football is back. The NFL is right around the corner. Two weeks, so I think. Sunday, the NFL, I posted something on uh, on Twitter and Instagram that was like, we are two weeks away from an NFL Sunday, which is insane. It just, we're, we're, we're close. And there's no shortage of places to bet when it comes to betonline.ag. They have everything you could want. They have all the NFL, NBA, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, soccer, all the action you want. Plus, they offer hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business right now. If you visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join, you will receive a welcome bonus. Betonline.ag is your online wagering experts. Pops, I'm just saying one thing we did throw out there early was that it's possible that the Heat could be dangerous in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, They've moved on to round two. I think as literally as we're recording this, they are tied 101 to 101. Oh no, sorry, they're up by eight with a minute left against the Bucks. So it looks like they could beat the Bucks in in Game One. So I'm just I was watching a little bit. Here, so yeah, I was watching a little bit right before this, and they the, the Heat were giving them hell. They sure were. So our Mavericks pick may not have uh, panned out, but if if you did ca- try to cash on all the picks we had, you might be all right if you if you went a little heavier on the Heat. Um. We're going to have um, a, a guest join us in a little bit later to talk some NBA action. We're going to get into all kind of the round two and, and the rec- and the end of round one with Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Do you know, Pops, are they allowed to miss? I don't think those two guys <laughs> I don't can. know, but they are fun to watch. I've always liked Donovan Mitchell since, I mean, I guess, was he from Louisville, wasn't he? From Louisville. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember him being And the crazy good, thing? But. Crazy thing, pops. He didn't start playing basketball till sixteen. He was a baseball wow. stud, wow. like he was in, like a prospect for the MLB. And then he's like, "This basketball stuff." He kept growing. They're like, "This basketball stuff might be something you should do." His freshman year at Louisville didn't even really play, and then started playing his sophomore year, and he has just blossomed. I mean, oh. He is a full fledged star. And Jamal Murray, on the other hand, might be the best player on the Nuggets, which is a team that has an MVP MVP candidate in Jokic. So that's saying saying a lot. Saying a lot. It's a fun. I can't wait for that game. I will be somewhere watching that game tomorrow night. So we'll get into some basketball talking a little bit. I wanted to start, and this is a somber note, but I just thought this was worth leading the podcast. And it's the news of of Chadwick Boseman mm. uh, passing away at forty three. Shockingly, I mean. I, I think his family knew it was he was in a rough position. Apparently, he's been battling colon cancer for four years privately. Yeah, I don't think he even told his friends that he was battling this cancer. And he was still not only was he putting out movies when he got diagnosed in 2016, he went on to give us Black Panther, two different Avenger movies, Thurgood Marshall, 21 Bridges and the five bloods with Spike Lee. The dude was putting out movie after movie after movie. And we didn't even know just straight up battling cancer. And I, 
wanted to throw this out there and we're going to get into who like how we've gotten to not know him but he came out of nowhere we right. didn't really know who he I was before yeah. jackie robinson and then before black panther really was when he hit the stage in a big way but I've seen people, and usually when people say this, they don't mean it in a bad way, but you say, like, he lost his battle to cancer. And I just want to throw out a quote from the great Stuart Scott, rest in peace, who also uh, passed away from cancer. He said his speech at the ESPY Awards one time, when you die, that does not mean you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and the manner in which you live while you have it. And Stuart Scott embodied that, and I would say Chadwick Boseman definitely embodied that. Uh, What... Friday night when you heard the news, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth that I don't have like, he's not someone I, I like cherish. I've grown to really like him and I really like his movies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it would hit me that hard. I get, maybe it's the surprisingness of it. But when that notification hit my phone, it was similar to the no, what the way the Kobe news when it hit my phone. Like I was just like, whoa. Yeah. What? Like I thought it was wrong. I thought it was a like a, a fake article or something. What 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 did you think? You well, I, I heard it, it on Saturday morning. Uh I got up to do, you know, my my work I do on Saturday morning. And the first thing I do is I open I think MS News or whatever comes up on MSNBC whatever or whatever comes up. And it said Chadwick Boseman dead at forty three. And I was like, You have to be kidding me. I just it blew my mind. And I think a lot like you said um, he wasn't anybody that I just – I mean, he's not like, I don't know, Luka Doncic or Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant even or anything like that. Nothing just super special, but I liked him. I liked the way he carried himself. I thought he was a very classy guy. I just – I really liked him, and it hurt. It, it, it did kind of – it hurt because I just – I thought he was such a classy guy and carried himself so well, and, and he was gone at 43, and we didn't even know. I think kind of to your point – he didn't put that out there. He didn't whine and moan and ask for a bunch of sympathy. He just dealt with it the best he could and kept working, kept putting his head down and going to work every day. I'm, I'm impressed with the guy, and I hate, I hate we lost him. And this was something me and you talked about a little bit before we started recording. I think we were on the phone maybe earlier today. But oftentimes when someone passes away, you hear all the stories about how, how good they were. I mean – and one, one because you're not going to sit here and talk about the bad moments of, of a person the day they pass away. But sometimes it's more than others. You realize, oh, wow, this guy wasn't just a good guy. He was a, 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 a bright spot of everybody's life that he touched. And that is what I've seen yeah. from Chadwick Boseman. I already really liked him. I've seen him on some interviews. Like you said, I thought he carried himself really well. But there was all these different clips. I'll try to put some in, my, in the show notes. But it was... Twitter was a, a cool place for 24 hours. Just all the different clips people were sharing. Remember when Chadwick Boseman did this? Remember when he did this? And I have so many. There was uh, one time he was speaking after, about a. It was after the Black Panther, and he was speaking about a child. So during the time these movies were coming out, apparently he was going and seeing children who were diagnosed with who were terminally ill with cancer. He would go visit them a lot. Yeah. And and we didn't even realize this was at the same time he was battling cancer, which just even is even more to me, but he was going and seeing these kids and he was talking about one child who was really excited to see Black Panther, read the comic books and couldn't wait, loved him, loved and wanted to watch the movie. And the kid passed away before the movie could come out. And to see how that hit Bozeman, I mean, he, he like, it hurt him like he lost his child. And, and then there was a moment at the MTV awards after Black Panther, when he won an award and, 
instead, like as he got up there, instead of accepting the award, he he called up James Shaw Jr., who, if you remember, was the guy who fought off the gunman at a Waffle House, the black guy who fought off a gunman at Antioch okay. and got shot but saved multiple lives. And he said, I don't deserve this award. I'm not a hero. James Shaw Jr. is a hero and called him up to the stage. And <laughs> James Shaw Jr. was like in tears. He couldn't believe what was going on. And I just think there's video after video after video of Bozeman was just a fantastic human being. And then I don't I don't think I realized that he's only we've only really known him for seven years. That's when I think seven years ago he came out with he would play Jackie Robinson in 42. Yeah. And that was a really good movie. And that was his first kind of big hit. And then after that, it kind of blew up. And so it's a short career. But in that seven years, he's put out. So he did Black Panther and then he did two different uh, Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame. Those three combined right now of top grossing films of all time. That's 12 fifth and first wow. top of so i mean he is a star and then not only was he the first major black hero with black panther he also played thurgood marshall yeah he played jack like i said he played the, uh, J- uh, jackie brown he played or jackie robinson and then he played um he played james brown oh yeah on get on up and i'm just saying pops i don't know if i didn't know i hadn't seen get on up i, I haven't I, I heard someone yeah. i heard someone say he did that biopic and it was really good and so i watched i've seen uh, Jackie Robinson, and I saw that before, and then I saw, or it's forty two, I think is what it's yeah, called. Yeah, I saw that, and then I watched Get On Up this weekend, and he did those within I think like a year and a half of each other, and those are those two human beings are two totally different human beings, and he played both so well. I mean, Get On Up, Dad, you will love it, especially I know you enjoyed some of his music. Yeah, so I think you will en- love that movie. It was okay. way better. Than, I didn't even realize it was that good. And it's on if you have HBO Go or Max or whatever it's called now. It's on those streaming. Uh, it was just a good movie. I. It just sucks. I mean, you know, it Bozeman is. was it's. was a hero, and I think it. I, I saw all that. What really hit me hard was seeing not only all his friends and, and different people at my age or whatever ages who were missing him, but there were so many pictures circulating of little kids with their superhero figures, and they were like holding like like they would put up all the other superheroes from Endgame or Avengers and then have Bozeman. I have the Black Panther uh, toy in the middle yeah. and like the kid, like crying, holding up the little X that they did for Wakanda. It, yeah. It's just sad. I, 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 he really touched lives that he probably didn't, he didn't even realize that the amount of lives he touched. Well, and I want to say this, Kevin, I've seen a, a little bit of backlash about some people that commented, you know, he put out a, a Instagram a post that I think he removed. Um, about his Operation mm-hmm. Forty Two, and 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 I saw it uh, today. I looked at it. He he did look. He looked very thin, very very thin. And I guess especially when you think of him as black as, Panther, as a buff, was huge, just a buffed up yeah. guy. And so people are are saying how insensitive somebody would say he looks sick, or is he sick, or or even I guess one person commented he looked deathly thin. Well, I'm just I've seen sometimes I've seen a person that I've known that's been you know thick and healthy looking and then they look skinny. I think that's a, that's a fair question that people ask. I don't think they mean anything by it, you know, negative. They're just um, concerned. And so I wish, I, I wish people would cut some of those others slack that may have said he looked thin because he did. When I saw that, I would have asked the same question. I'd have said, Ooh, I wonder if Chadwick Boseman may be sick or something. I think you use compassion about it, but it's okay to, to say that with care and compassion. Correct. I, but there were also, and 
it's part of the internet, but there was Twitter. I remember, I remember when that video, when he put that Instagram live out and then people were, Why not Twitter's don't? quick. Sure. And, I, and part of what I love about Twitter is you get a lot of good jokes. I mean, you do. I remember watching Game of Thrones and towards the end of Game of Thrones, there was always quick to be with. People are just funny and quick wit and, and it can be funny streaming through it. But then, so people were also quick to make the jokes of, oh, you're Black Panther. It doesn't look like he could defend anybody right now. And just making jokes. And I just don't, I don't, I, I agree with some of your sentiment where, Yes, it's okay that people were saying, oh, he looks ill. Like, is something wrong with him? That's not bad to question because it can, like, he did. Something looked wrong with him. But I think the bigger picture I took from it is, wow, you just never, you know, never know what someone is going through. And I think Bozeman ended up taking some pictures and videos down because all the comments talked about how thin he looked and he felt self-conscious about it. And I don't think someone's wrong for going, wow, this actor who I really love looks like, looks like something's wrong with him because they're just concerned. But also, I just thought the bigger picture was just, man, you never know what you someone's never going know. through in their back yeah. life. It could be their mom's going through something. It could be their brother, their sister. It could be them going. He was going through chemotherapy. Like Obviously, he was going. like That was just uh, like four months ago. So, that was right in the thick of all this battle. Yeah. I just think it's worth, it's worth remembering. People are going through stuff that we just have no clue on. And just, just think about what you're going to say. And sometimes the joke isn't worth it. You know, some, sometimes just hold it in. Well, it may but be- I, don't, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's not wrong by someone to question, wow, Bozeman looks like kind of ill. Is he okay? That's not necessarily See, wrong to exactly. question because he did look a little ill. And I, did, I don't know that I saw the jokes and stuff. So I didn't see it at the time. I was kind of, I'm telling you, this hit me way out of left field. I had no idea the guy was sick. You know, I mean, just. Well, and no one did. Like, no he was one very did. Private he he was it. private. So, so yeah, if people said mean and rude things, they might have deserved a little chastisement. But if if somebody was sending something out of care, I would have said, wow. You know, I might have asked you. I'd said, you know, Chadwick, but is he okay? He didn't look well. And and I I think that's fair, and, and I think that's a compassionate heart. And um, I don't know. I, 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 I hate we lost him. I think he was a pretty I pretty just, cool dude, and, and I hate that it happened this way. With, with, with a lot of those movies that like we mentioned, with especially the – the top, the three that were in the top twelve grossing with the Avengers and Black Panther, Bozeman was a superhero on the big screen, and there's a reason those movies are some of the top grossing films. It's because we like watching the movies where there's a, where the superhero, where the good guys come out on top. And right now in our country, we we want to come out on top. We're going through a rough time, and we want we want a superhero. We want to come out on top. <laughs> no, and we just lost. And we just lost a real like. He was a super on the big screen, but Bozeman was a superhero for a lot of people in real life. So we just lost a superhero, and it it just sucks. And I and death happens, and it sucks, and we'll it'll be okay. But that I just I feel bad for anyone who even knows him or his family with him because obviously he was a great guy. And then just it just sucks we lost him. And then on top of that, a couple of days later on Sunday night, we learned that John Thompson passed away at. at 70, 70, 75, 79. Uh, I would say, say 78 sometimes. Some, for some reason, rings a bell. But um, For those who don't know, I know more of, at least as, as an actual coach, because he's been active while I've been alive, is his son, John Thompson III, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is, he was the coach of Georgetown. Uh, but John Thompson was the coach of Georgetown for a long time, coached Allen Iverson, Alonzo Mourning. Uh, what – I've seen this this reverberating through the through the NBA world and through the basketball world, kind of. But for those who don't know, can you give me a little background on John Thompson or what you know or what the death means? Well, uh, yeah, I did look up a little stuff about him. You know, he was six foot ten. I think he weighed about two forty uh, when he was playing college ball. He played for uh, Provi- uh, Providence, the Friars, 
uh, where he was all uh, honorable mention All American in 1964. Um, he played two seasons for the Boston Celtics. Uh, both of those seasons, they won NBA championships. Now uh, he was the backup to Bill Russell, and I think his stat line was I heard something of that like, guy. "Yeah, yeah, we've heard of that guy." His stat line was something like three points, uh, th- three three rebounds, two assists. You know, he was a, he was a kind of a bit player. Uh, but interestingly enough, he retired after two seasons. So he was there 64, 65. He retired in 66 to start coaching. And he started coaching. You know, he's from the D.C. area, Washington, D.C. Uh, went to high school and coached, I think, four years before he moved on to Georgetown. I think he took over a Georgetown team that was 3-23 and 23 the previous year. Uh, and within, I think, three years, had him in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, they won won a title. Um, I think he was well, they the fallen first off a little bit since then. Certainly. Like at one point when he was when he had things rock and rolling, Georgetown was one of those perennial, right? Like oh, yeah. Absolutely. Always, uh, you always thought tournament time, right? Like, Georgetown's, Georgetown's going to be in it. Reckon with. Um, you know, I really sorry. To I, no, no. I, I really liked uh, uh, John Thompson. And I, and I am going to say this. Um he he bothered me a little bit when he he said publicly he wasn't going to recruit white players and i to me i thought well that that seems if you're not going to recruit a player for his race that doesn't seem right to me any more than it would be to not recruit a black player for his his race um but i think in retrospect and and, and reading a little bit about john thompson he lives through some experiences that i can't even comprehend um that that i don't I don't I'll never understand as a white guy, you know, in this time and place. And so I I think he was doing everything he could to help um, the people that were closest to him. And I respected him for always speaking his mind. Um, He was strong willed. And uh, there's a story about one of the uh, there was a a guy of, of ill repute that was getting close to some of the Georgetown players and. Uh, John Thompson got wind of it and he called the guy in his office, just them two, and uh, called him in his office. And I don't know if it was just them two, how this word got around, but he he got upset with him, stuck his hand in his face. And he says, you will leave my players alone. You will not bother them again. And this guy, who's apparently kind of had some mobbish ties or whatever, never bothered Georgetown again. I mean, never bothered John Thompson again. I mean, he was he was a man that was strong and forceful and said what was on his mind. And I have a lot of respect, a lot of respect for John Thompson and the way he conducted himself. Well, and two players that he coached that went on to be, I know one's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I think Alonzo Mourning made it as well. But uh, both Alonzo Mourning and Allen Iverson have said, they had this exact quote, which really hit me. It's one thing, coaches have a lot of, a big impact on players' lives a lot of times. Like, that's not surprising. Both of them said John Thompson, quote, saved my life. That's big. And, mm-hmm. and AI, if you've watched any of the documentaries on him, maybe the 30 for 30s or, or heard his story, he's one of the, the basketball icons. You know, like he's not up there like best player like goats. He's, you, when you have the LeBron, Michael Jordan, Bird, Magic, like you don't usually get AI in there. But when you just talk about basketball legends, someone who's a culture icon, especially for black athletes, mm-hmm. just anybody watching basketball at that time, he's up there. And he said that he wouldn't, he would have not survived past college and made it to like literally been alive long enough to have an NBA career if it wasn't for John Thompson. And like talks about how he's his dad 
It's his dad that he, you know, it's not his biological dad, but he was like a father figure for him. Alonzo Mourning says the same, and like all the other players said the same. I even saw players who played for John Thompson the third, who talked about John Thompson like he was their grandpa. They never, like they never got to see or their second grandpa. I mean, he, I just think he was a, a hell of a man and a, a big difference in a lot of athletes' lives. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know the Mornings and the AIs, but there's countless other athletes that probably went through Georgetown or through the D.C. area that he touched their life and changed their Did life. you mention there was this guy named Patrick Ewing that went through there? Yeah, um, true, You know, true. and he, uh, he he was pretty much a stud. And, and and what I read, too, was that, you know, Patrick Ewing got a lot of, of grief because of his look, and he was a very dark, you know, uh, color. And John Thompson went through a lot of that uh, at a different time, in a, at a more rough time. And that's why I think he was so drawn to Patrick Ewing and – and I, I'm going to tell you, Patrick Ewing is a guy that's stood out, and I have a lot of respect for the way he's conducted himself. So I think, I think John Thompson had a good uh, example, set a good example for a lot of people, and did a lot of good things. It sucks. We've done too many pods. I feel like where we've had to talk about the passing of someone that was a, a, a big figure in sports or in just in the world. 2020 has just been a year, man. It's been. I, I, we do this all the time. We're like. Oh man, I just need we just need this year to end. 2020 really <laughs> has just been a year where all the head there's not very many good headlines, it feels like. They're all sad or bad. Um another headline transitioning, staying in basketball, transitioning over to the NBA and more current, uh, was the NBA players deciding to boycott, strike, protest, however you want to call it. Uh, on Wednesday, they made the decision just to not play the, the uh Milwaukee Bucks who it was in wake of the Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin and right. Kenosha where they decided they weren't going to, they weren't going to play. They just didn't come out of the locker room. Um, that's gotten some backlash because the magic players apparently had no clue. This was even a thought they were out there warming up and then they got told, Hey, the Bucks said they're either going to forfeit the game or they're just not going to play. So then the magic, I think the NBA world, there was some backlash from other players saying like, you kind of left us on an Island. Like obviously we can't go out and play if you're not going to play because then we look like crappy people. And what and I and I think it was a bigger talk, but so they decided. And we'll, I want to get into that with you, but they decided to not play, and that led to the NBA playoffs halting for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. And then MLB players boycotted some games. The MLS boycotted some games. NFL players boycotted practice. It was it. it I think the WNBA a, didn't they? WNBA mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, they stopped, and they had they had some really good. There was a the. The person who's kind of there, Chris Paul, who's the head of the Players Union. I can't remember her name at the moment. She had a really good speech. I'll try to get in the show notes. And just it led to a something. In, it's not the first time we've seen protest or boycotting in sports or these these historical moments. I mean, going back to Bill Russell or or at the Olympics when they what was it when they won their award but they didn't accept what was it where they oh, accept Jesse uh are you talking about the black power where the guys put their yeah. hands up that was in Mexico City i believe is where that was and they were just uh you know trying to I, it was peaceful but they put their hand up uh, I, I god I, I would know those their names maybe if Jesse Owens it. no what Jesse Owens it was two other guys um this was this was after i think Jesse Owens um but though there there was a good article in sports illustrated just a few years ago about those guys and and uh their 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 reasons Tommy for- Smith and John Carlos yes, yeah. each raised a black glove fist during the playing of the US national anthem during the Star Spangled Banner. Hey, I- in 1980 1968, sorry. 
Well, maybe that was Jesse Owens. Maybe he was in some of that that Olympics then. I can't remember, but uh, but he wasn't so, part of that. And then, of course, we had Muhammad Ali, where there was different things that he did. Mm-hmm. This isn't the first time we've seen players try to use the platform of sports, but I thought it was it was cool because w- there was a lot of talk, and it was interesting. You know, we I don't remember exactly what we saw in this podcast. I know the conversation on the internet was making fun of Kyrie Irving at one point. Because he was questioning the legitimacy of going to the bubble because that would get into the message that they're really trying to talk about, which is what's going on in America right now. And I just want to kind of say he was kind of right. At one point, I know the like game one, uh, Blazers, Lakers, LeBron and the Lakers all came out with Breonna Taylor hats and for pregame. And they wanted to talk about Breonna Taylor after the game. But really, what we wanted to talk about after the game was, holy shit, the the Blazers just upset y'all in round one. What are y'all? What's the way to bounce back? And so, I it kind of was going to what Kyrie was saying. Where all of a sudden, yes, you are kind of saying something, but we're still talking about basketball more often than not. Uh, so it just was neat to me to see them do this. And then, so they had this long thing where a lot of players were upset. At one point, the Lakers and Clippers said they weren't going to finish. They voted to not play the rest of the season. I heard Kawhi uh, and LeBron were the two front runners in that. They did not want to finish the season. Well, and I think from what I've read now, they this was on Wednesday night. They all like the the entire entirety of the bubble went to a ballroom and had a big conversation. I don't even know how that works. Like how do you have that many people and how you like are you passing around like a a microphone and each person gets a chance. There's been a lot of dis, uh, disputing reports where some say LeBron didn't say a word during it. Some say LeBron talked a lot and the younger players didn't like the way Le- LeBron was talking, acting like he was speaking down on them. A lot of different things, but. It, it seemed like what irks the other players is they weren't necessarily mad at the Bucks for making the decision. They, they they even agreed with it probably was the right decision, but it was the fact that they didn't do it as a as a group, mm-hmm. as an NBA group. The Bucks made the call, and now the other two games that were supposed to be played, now the Rockets and the Thunder got. To, how do we react to this? I guess we can't play like what. And the, and then they asked the Bucks, so what's the plan? And the Bucks were like, we don't know. We just know we weren't playing. And I think. That's where LeBron got upset with. And whether right or wrong, he's like, I don't care if we boycott. Let's have a plan of what we're going to do after. And that's why you saw Wednesday night, it looked like the season was done. Mm-hmm. Thursday night, the players got back together. And then I thought that's where the NBA, which I want to give the NBA credit, the players all got on one big group with the between the owners and the coaches and the players. And like they all came together and made a plan on how we're going to move forward. And they established this three-part plan to promote social justice and racial equality. Part of it was establish a social justice coalition with players, coaches, and owners. They'll focus on issues, increasing access to voting, promoting civic engagement, and advocating for meaningful police and criminal justice reform. Then they talked about in every city where a league franchises owner controls the arena property, that the team owners will work with local election officials to make that facility now a voting location, which in a time where we need social distancing, where we need big areas those are ideal big parking lots. Those are ideal for voting if you want yeah. to in, encourage voting. And then the third was the league will work with players and other network partners to create and include advertising spots in each NBA playoff game dedicated to promoting greater civic engagement and, and in national and local elections and raising awareness around voter access and opportunities. So they they initiated a plan. Just what I, I guess we've kind of talked a little bit about it, but what do you think the aftermath? I mean, it was a three-day news cycle where we honestly had no idea what was going to happen until we finally figured out, I think, late Friday night, the plan. What did you think about it, you know, afterward? Well, uh, I have to say, you know, it. I was 
I was out at Little River and was kind of away from TV, so I didn't get to watch uh, much of it. But but I did uh, think that I, I was proud of people that are standing up for what they believed in and they they made a decision and then they, they decided to come back. Um, I mean, I you know, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I mean, they they, they needed to draw attention to this. They did it peacefully. And I just didn't have a problem with it at all. I, and whatever they decided, I, I mean, I was fine with um, if they wanted to conclude the season, if they didn't. Uh, but it looks like they did get some some real things going that will help the racial uh, injustice and uh, hopefully stop. I mean, what what appears again, I don't know what the whole police thing with Jeffrey Blake is weird. I, I, I don't know what all happened Jacob there. Blake. Jacob Blake, sorry. Um, I mean, there's I, I will I will say. There, there are, there's more than one side. to There's at least two sides to every single story, and I don't know that we're ever going to know the complete truth. All that said, a guy got shot in the back eight times. That that seems ridiculous to me, and I don't blame people for being upset about that at all. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you brought it up, and it's worth – I've seen a lot of different things where – you hear people like, oh, so the sports world, everyone that wanted to boycott, boycotted for someone who was sexually assaulting a woman and was threatening to stab a, an officer. Let, I just want to take a step back. We do not know what happened, what led up to the cops being I think we do now know what led to the cops at least being called and being dispatched. He was at a home where an alleged sexual assault victim, there was a restraining order, and he was at the home. And there was his kids there. And so... He violated the restraining order. That's why police were called. That's a valid reason for police to be called. Not arguing that at all. Now, we don't know what happened from the moment police got there to the moment that shots were fired into his back. We know the police has said they put out a statement that he was either reaching for a knife or had a knife and that he had restrained officers attempt at arresting him multiple times. And at one point they say he had an officer in a headlock. This all could be true. And if so, he should have been arrested. That's fine. Still don't think he needed to be shot seven times in his back. Maybe even not shot at all. I understand if the, if he sat there and was saying, I'm going to stab you, I'm going to stab you, I'm going to stab you. And the cop thought, I have no, nowhere else to go but maybe take a shot. Okay, maybe. But there's kids in the car. There's no reason to just fire off a bunch of rounds, in my opinion. And I, I think the biggest thing I had is it may be it may come to light at some point that Jacob Blake was totally in the wrong and was threatening to murder police officers. And if so, I'm not sitting here acting like he's a great guy. I'm saying we don't know the story, as you said. And we hear the lawyer story said this is not the case. There was a knife in the car, but it wasn't like he was fixing to use the, the knife. It's just it was in the car because, I mean, hell, granddaddy carried a pocket knife with him at all times. Yeah, so it, yeah. it'd be like it'd be like saying. You know, I know he wouldn't threaten to kill a cop, but it'd be like someone going, oh, well, he did have a knife. Uh, you know, he did have a key, too. It didn't mean he was going to stab someone with a key. But I just would wish and there might be a legal process, but let's just be transparent. If you're the officers, let's go ahead and tell it like it is. Footage, right? just, it let's like put it, it out. Is. And it may paint your officer in a bad light. But if he if he was wrong, then he was wrong. He was wrong. And if he was right, he was right. Let's get it out there. Let's get the correct story. Because now all I see is both sides. And I'm not going to go right wing or left wing. I'm saying both sides pick out certain things from different reports. And that's going to fuel their argument. And that's what they're going to feed out there. And then the people that want to hear that only follow those certain outlets. So now they don't even care to hear the other side. They just care to hear what fuels their side on whether they don't have a problem with Jacob Blake being shot or do. And, and, 
Let's just be transparent. I think that's the easiest thing we can do at, the, at this juncture. We know there's we know there's something not right. Whether you say defund or reform or anything with police, I don't. I'm not getting to that argument. I'm just saying we know something's not right. And I think the it first starts with let's be transparent, and that's something we're not really being in mind right now. I agree, and I guess I, I want to say these two things. One, I mean, it, it. I learned I was in insurance business for a while that. You know, even if an accident's not your fault, what did you do to avoid the accident? Did you do everything you could to avoid the accident? And here it seems two things could have happened. One, Mr. Blake could have complied with what the police said. And and I think everything would be no one would have gotten shot. I think that was one thing that could have avoided the outcome that was. And then second, I would like to think our police are trained uh, to subdue and uh, what's the word to de-intensify a situation there's uh, it's not de-escalate de-escalate a situation so if you know tackle the guy or there i think there were two of them you know anything shooting should be the very very last resort so uh, there there's enough room for anybody to take anything i just said and argue either side legitimately and 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 i'm i'm okay with that but i'm saying had either one of those two things happened nobody would have got shot and, and I, well, and I think to your point, it's what, and it doesn't just go to what did Jacob Blake do to, to avoid the situation. Both, it, we don't know how. And again, like I don't know how the cop initiated that interaction. He might have came in and tried to be very polite with Jacob Blake, and say, "Hey, hey, 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 let's go outside." And Jacob Blake was in a rage. For all we know, we just don't know. But maybe the cop went in there and said a racial before thing. anything was you even know, said. He had his gun pointed at yeah. him. He was ready to rock and roll. I think the problem we get to is sometimes officers show up to a scene with an outcome they're expecting, which means like that officer may or may not. I'm not saying that just an officer shows up to a scene and they're already going. All right, let me get my hand on my gun because this is going to happen at some point. I think you're right. Let's just make it to where. That gun doesn't get taken out until it is, you know, until we have to take it out. And to to go back, I've heard player or people say, well, what are the what's the, what's even going to happen with the NBA players? What, now they're back playing. Like, what's the point? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't do a whole lot. Maybe it does. I don't know. But at least they're trying. And it was peaceful, as you mentioned. At least they're doing something. And I can only imagine one. I, I can't imagine what it's like as a black person to watch these things happen, to watch Mm-hmm. These things, and, and I think you get some of almost like survival's guilt or whatever, survivor's guilt or something, where the NBA players go, "I might be in that same situation if I didn't get lucky and get drafted and have a bunch of skill. That could be me. Yeah. You know, I, you wouldn't know who James Harden was if I couldn't dribble and shoot a basketball really, really well. And then, so not only is it tough to watch these videos, we also have them in a bubble in Orlando where they're not with their family, they're not with their support, mm-hmm. they're isolated. It's been eight weeks now. Like that's a long time. It's a long time to not be without any of your people. Now I know you can call, but you're in a hotel room. You're just not with your kids. Like you want to be able to talk to your kids about what they just watched. Like maybe you have a ten year old kid who just watched this and they're like, "Whoa, daddy, what? Why did that happen?" And you can't be with them. I just think it's a lot for the NBA players to take in. Mm-hmm. And I think the NBA should have probably thought about having a break in the bubble anyway, just because eight weeks without seeing any of your family is tough. Now players will soon start getting family in the second round of the playoffs. Family starts showing up. And we've already seen one video where Fred Van Vliet got to see his kids for the first time. It was adorable. And I hope they have more of those videos because it's so cool to see the kids and dads see each other for the first time. But I just to go back to what do you think? What do the players even think is going to happen? I don't know. And we don't know if something good happens for it or not. But they're trying. And it looks like they at least did get this isn't something 
you know, racism or or fixing if there's something wrong with police fixing, it's not going to happen by Thursday this week. You know, it's going to take a process and to establish better access to voting, to open Why not use these facilities for voting areas? I mean, there's these huge facilities that, you know, where they get paid by tax dollars. So why not serve the community by making them voting areas? What? I think the whole you know, thing, like, kind of what you're saying, though, is let's, this happened. It did. Let's, to your point earlier, let's be transparent and let's learn from it. It did happen. Let's figure out why it happened and let's make damn sure it doesn't happen again. That's what we need to do. Couldn't say it better myself. So. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up. I think right up now we're going to have some NBA talk. We're going to get into all things uh, playoff basketball, the end of round one, round two with my man Braden May. Uh, but real quick, Pops, before I let you go, have you is there anything from the playoffs that you've seen? I, I know it sounded like maybe it was Murray Mitchell. Is there anything you wanted to get off? Like you, you got the mic in front of you? Or? <laughs> well, so I did see our boy Luca. He did score thirty eight in that final game. I think I saw, didn't he? he so he, I, he did. I didn't get to watch it. I don't know what kind of game it was, but I sure am proud of the tra- tra- trajectory that he's got, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see those Mavs next year. I'll be ready to see the season. He did. He, he finished with 38-9-9 on 53% shooting. Solid game. Solid game. On, the ser- on his first playoff series, he did average 29.6, and 8.5 and uh, assists. So, a good playoff series, a good opening thing. I, it was interesting, and I kind of want to get your – well, one, the, the Porzingis stuff. He didn't play again. It came out that they shut him down for the playoffs because he had a partial tear in his meniscus, which I'm, I don't – not that I'm happy to see a guy hurt, but I was a little, you know – it rubbed me the wrong way to see that, you know, Luke is battling out there on an ankle that clearly isn't 100%. And, right. And not only battling, but battling pretty well. And to see your other star, who we're still not 100% sure if it was – I think the trade was good. That That's not a question anymore. But we're still not sure if he's the second guy that can be him and Luca win championships. And to see him not playing with knee soreness, it was like, I mean – Knee soreness, but okay. But it, there's there's like the old saying, "No, are you injured? Or are you hurt?" Looks like he was actually injured and he yeah. should not be playing. Yeah. So that made me feel a little bit better about the Mavs moving forward. Because I was just like, I hope my I hope our guy's not tough because he seems like he is. He's had some serious injury issues. He uh, has, and he's young. I worry about him. And but you know that can happen to anybody. I want to get it out now. Um, I'm not biased. Well, I am biased, but I want to make it be transparent to, to go back to what we were saying before. Luca does cry to the refs too often. If I wasn't a Mavs fan, it would annoy the shit out of me because it annoys me when James Harden does it. It annoys me when LeBron does it at times. It annoys me when Chris Paul does it at times. So I will be transparent that he does argue with the refs too much. Um, that being said, Marcus Morris gave a cheap ass shot to his head at one point and got ejected for it, and so I'm I'm not a fan of the the, the Marcus Morris. And uh, there was a there was a shot where Marana, uh, Boban pulled. I don't know if you've seen the clip where I haven't because I, I know you were out, but Morris hit him in the head pretty hard, and it was one of those. It was clear what it was. It was a uh, you're kind of balling, so we're just going to make it clear if you come in the paint, you're going to get hit, and he smacked him in the head. And Luca was real quick, and this is part of why part of the thing I love about Luca is he was real quick to jump back up. First off, Luca, just if you're listening to this, I don't think you want to get into it with Morris. I just don't think <laughs> the outcome. We don't. Maybe you would win, but I think nine times out of ten, I'm taking Morris in that outcome. Uh, but the fact that he was so quick and ready, he just doesn't seem to back down to anybody. As a 21 year old, he didn't back down to Kawhi, didn't back down to Paul George, didn't back down to Morris, Harold, anybody. And I like to see that. I like to see that. It, you know. 
he, it's one of those things, like I think you've said it before, like it was a joke. Like if someone were breaking this house, somebody's getting their ass beat. It might be might me, be me. But somebody's but we're going to find and out. That, <laughs> and that seems like what Luke is like. He's like, I'm not going to. And that's what the Mavericks need going forward. Luca doesn't need to be the guy standing up for that because that's what Morris for the for the Clippers is not someone he does make some big shots for him, but he's not someone they need. They're like going into Game Seven, going he better have a big game. Morris is in there to do exactly what he did: set the tone, make sure you rough up a star if need be. And the Mavericks don't have that guy. If you saw multiple times, the guy standing up in those situations was Luca and Porzingis. One of the times Porzingis got ejected for it. You need someone on that rock. You need a little bit of a, a dog mentality. You need that Charles Oakley on the bench or oh, on, wow. on the, in the lineup. Oakley was tough. But I, I thought you yeah. said Bo, Boban. Did Boban not? Did he come? Boban, so Boban grabbed Luka and made sure Luka did not get in a tangle with uh, Morris, which Aye. might have saved the Mavericks also because, again, I don't know if the outcome would have been good had there been some hands thrown between Morris and Luka. Aye. I love Boban. I love that guy. And I would think he seems like he's a pretty gentle spirit, but I would think if he got mad, you probably wouldn't want to be on the other end of that. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Boban's a big man. He's a big man, big man. But God, I love him. Just the more I hear about him, he's. I think he's just a great guy. And he seems to be like the NBA's like every single player loves Boban. He seems to just be. He plays hard. He's a but he's a gentle soul. He's a fun guy. There's the when he was on the Sixers, him and Tobias Harris are friends, and it was they used to post these videos called Bobby and Toby. Yeah. And they were the funniest thing. Boban is one of the – I hope he stays a Maverick for a long time because I just really like I him. Do I do, too. He's a cool guy. I and it seems too. like Luca and the whole roster really likes him. Seems like a good chemistry guy. And so, to back up to what you're saying, yes, I agree. Uh, the Mavericks have a bright future. I hope they can build around what they already have two stars. I hope Porzingis can get healthy. And they'll be fun to watch next year. It'll be fun. Yep. I didn't expect them to beat the Clippers. I was hoping they would, but – it didn't shock me to see them losing six, especially if you'd have told me Porzingis would be out for five of the games. So, all right, that will do it. Now, Pops, we will catch you again next week. Now, we welcome on Braden May. And before we get to Braden, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Manscaped. Guys, those manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce all those, not necessarily reduce, almost minimize, minimal, they're gone. Those painful nicks and tugs, all that, that's all a thing of the past we don't have to worry about anymore. This is the third generation trimmer coming from Manscaped featuring advanced skin safe technology. So you keep your bad boys nice and smooth without any of that painful accidents that you've had in the past. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer ever created and just released this lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you this thing is premium, I mean premium with a capital P. The battery even lasts up to 90 minutes, so... Maybe you have one of those longer shaves. Maybe you forget to put it on the charger. Either way, the man, the lawnmower 3.0 has got you covered. It's also water resistant, so it allows you to shave in the shower and has an LED light, which illuminates all grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Right now, if you go to manscaped.com and put in the promo code armchair, you can get 20% off plus free shipping when you order that lawnmower 3.0, so you don't have to take our word for it, you can try this thing out for yourself. Just let's again head over to manscaped m a n s c a p e d dot com. 
put in the promo code armchair, A-R-M, chair. Your balls will thank you. All right, let's get into some NBA talk with Braden. All right, well, now we welcome on Braden, a.k.a. OJ, to the pod. Uh, OJ, we're, we're happy to have you join me. What's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, watch a lot of basketball. Usually just tweet my thoughts out. And pretty much just ends up me talking to talking to myself. So I always love a chance to talk talk some hoops. <laughs> it ends up being you just talking. Well, see, I do that a lot also. So And especially with the... The way they've brought back the bubble where at one point it felt like March Madness where games were going on at 1230 throughout the rest of the night. So I was pretty much just watching basketball nonstop. That was the best. It's from 12 till 12 till 10 pretty much every night. Yeah, that was that was heaven. So we are recording this. It is 1019 on Tuesday night. We just got done watching the game seven. Interestingly, on a couple of podcasts ago, we were talking with another person about how it was Uncle Tony, I think, brought up that. The scoring is is crazy, and they're scoring in the 120s and all this. And then in this series in particular, we had Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray who just forgot how to miss. And then game seven, we got what all the the 90s true hoopers or the lovers of the old basketball got an ugly 80 to 78 game. Uh, Jack, the Jazz lose. I guess initial thoughts. What you think about the game? What, what was your what was your instant reaction from it? Uh, I thought it was disgusting. I think <laughs> most people probably did. I mean, it was it was horrible. It was it was exactly what I thought this series was going to be like going into it. It was probably my least anticipated series. I mean, other than you know the East top seeds, you yeah, know, like Brooklyn, <laughs> right, right. But other than that, I, I wanted nothing to do with this series. I just thought it was going to be boring. I don't like either of these teams. I don't think either of them are legit. And I mean, then it just turned into a one-on-one battle, and every game was electric. Most most watched TV. And then this game, I don't know if it was fatigue. I think Jamal got hurt, even though he he kept playing. And it, God, it it was hard to watch. It really was. <laughs> well, see, and part of that will be where I'll disagree. I, I've noticed that you didn't. You're not a big Nuggets fan. I didn't think the Jazz, especially losing Bogdanovich, I didn't think they had a real shot at doing any, making any noise. Yeah, yeah, that was I, tough. tough I've been a little bit of a, a Nuggets like kind of closet believer just thinking if if things happen right and then we got the Jamal Murray that I've Jamal Murray is one of those guys this isn't the level he reached in this series is new but we've we've seen him do like these games here and there and so I thought if this is Jamal Murray but then Jokic before the series we would have had a big argument and I would have thought I was right I don't know for sure because the Joker kind of showed up and then disappeared at times and and if he peek in and it doesn't do that, what what is your thought? I know you have strong opinions about the Joker. So yeah, so well, I I think my Nuggets disbelief started last year when the Blazers played them in that seven game series, and I'm a Blazers fan, so I'll admit my bias a little bit. They just rubbed me the wrong way. I hate the way that they play around Jokic, and and my whole Jokic thing is, I, I guess the way I feel about him has a lot to do with the way I see people talk about him. Like I think he's a good player. Uh, I mean, I, you know, obviously you can't debate the numbers he's putting up. Yeah. But I, I just don't think in today's NBA you can build a team, a successful team that makes a deep run around a player like Jokic. I'm talking Embiid. I'm talking Gobert on the other side. I'm talking, I mean, I don't know who's the next level guy, like young kids like Aiton maybe. But like, I, I just don't just think a, that, that. You don't think of, that big man building around a five really? No, no. I, and and I, I guess what I'm saying is this was a seven game series. Jokic is is going up against maybe the second best big man in the league or one of the other top three or four guys. 
what was his moment in this series? Did he have one? I, he hit he hit the hook shot tonight, but it's a seven game series, and I can't remember anything Jokic did in this series. Uh, I, I guess his moment, which this would be a little bit indicative to your point, but his moment was like that. What was it? First quarter of game five, right? Or, right, right yeah. which it, it was a fantastic quarter, but right, is a quarter, first it, quarter. <laughs> But, but, but then the second half rolls around, and then the fourth quarter rolls around, and it's Jamal. It's a Jamal Murray show, and of course, like you were, I think you were starting to say, Jamal Murray's one of like seven or eight guys with, that when they go nuclear, it's it's a wrap. And you know, like and his his variance is crazy, but when he goes nuclear, just get out of the way. But still, I mean, for it to be Jokic's team and people for him to be All NBA and people talk about him as a top ten guy, I just I just don't see it. Well, I'm not sure if I'm in agreement with you on – he's really good, and I think he's kind of the – the and when that offense is rolling – like you said, when Jamal Murray's rolling, let's just get the ball to Murray yeah, and let's back up, maybe set him a pick or something. But when that offense is rolling <laughs> and everybody's going, it seems like the ball goes through Jokic. He's kind of the point guard, the point center. And I, I really it's, – it's pretty basketball, but that comes and goes. You know, when, when things like game seven, when things get ugly – at least in today's NBA, it does turn into what wing player. And I, I think we started to almost get into an argument on Twitter, I think probably a – I think it was a week ago or so. You, you kind of threw out this take, you can't win around a big man. And yeah. I, I was going to argue, but then I kind of went back and looked. The, in the recent list of champions, the last team to win without like a star wing player, maybe the Spurs in 14, but that was Kawhi was, Leonard's coming out party. I was about to say Tim Duncan is, is the last one – the, and then, uh, but, well, but the last legit there. one probably is the Mavericks. And I'm a Mavs fan, but Mavs 2011, no. I don't know who their wing player was. But then even before then, yeah. you got a lot of Lakers. The Celtics had Pierce. The Heat had Wade. I mean, I think you probably can't, you probably can't win with that centered around a big man unless you have one of the top five players in NBA history, i.e. Tim Duncan. Or Hakeem or Shaq or guys like that. I think it's a newer thing that that my like theory that you can't win around a big man. I think it's definitely a newer thing. You used to be able to, but I think after Tim Duncan, Dirk, Shaq, and even to go back as far as Elijah Wan, that was the last of a dying breed, in my opinion. And I would be surprised if we see another one. Well, and it's kind of the way the games changed too, where the way Mitchell was playing at one point with his pick and roll and getting switches, Jokic couldn't stay on the court because if he came up, he was getting blown by. If he stayed back, he was getting a three hit. I mean, did you see the today? I think I think I tweeted about it. It's there's under a minute left. The Jazz have the ball, and Mason Plumlee's in the game. This guy's a top ten player, and he's an All NBA player, and I'm hearing all these things. I'm hearing about Jokic. He's getting MVP talk, and he's off the floor in a game seven with under a minute to go. And I think it's just the way the NBA is stretched out so much yeah. where these guys have such range that now you're at Jokic, a guy who, sure, he's a little nimble of foot, but he's not able to get out past no. the three-point line. Like that's yeah. – if you see yeah. that, if Mike Malone sees that, he's, he's sweating already. So For sure. And, and I want to be clear about Jokic. He's a good player. I just think he's 15 years too late. You know, I, I just don't think it could happen in today's game. All right, well, so we got one game. Uh, so does that mean – I need a bracket in front of me. Does that mean the Jazz now play the Clippers, right? Yeah, I just got the Clippers. I got a bracket for you right here. It's my bracket that I do at the beginning of the year. So, at well, the beginning of the playoffs. So, Jazz, I, I, Murray was had a good playoffs. I think you're right. I think he did get like some kind of little stinger or something to his quad there. He, he looked. He didn't look right. No, and he didn't. Now he's got Kawhi Leonard, who we yeah. might get into that in a little bit. Kawhi Leonard yeah. showed, reminded us all that he's, if not the best player in the league right now, right in the conversation. I think we can put Giannis to 
three at the top. But we'll get to that in a second. We we finished one game seven. The other game seven coming up tomorrow. At, well, the people listening to this, it'll be tonight. But the game seven on Wednesday between OKC and Denver or OKC and Houston. Uh, that series. Well, let's just go back to game six. What was it? Harden at the uh, the four fifty mark or so, he hit a three, and then I don't think yeah. he touched the ball again, and it was a very tight game. Is that correct? Yeah, in the second game that Westbrook's been back, or second game Westbrook's back in the series, Harden's already deferring like that, and he's Westbrook's still on a minute minutes restriction, and Harden's deferring like or, you know, I don't know if it's deferring or the ball's just being taken from him. You know what I'm saying? Well, there was there sketchy. was there was a little bit of both, I think, but it's just yeah. it's hilarious that the, the the Russell Westbrook career comes full circle. I understand he yeah. he he's fun to watch. He plays his ass off every single play, but for this, it, it's just. We've been doing this for 10 years where an MVP is standing on the wing beside him at, with 40 seconds left, and he takes either a bad pull-up shot or turns the ball over like we saw in the game the other night. Yes, I, it, it is exactly the Russell Westbrook story. I actually today, I went back and looked at my old tweets from 2012 because I, I, <laughs> I know I had some good Russell Westbrook ones in there, and it was the same stuff, man. He's just He's just out of control sometimes. I, I don't know if selfish. He, he honestly, in the middle of his career, he started to turn a little bit. I think he started to get a lot smarter and a lot better. And now I don't know if it's the injury or if it's the situation he's in, but he just seems back to his old self and it's hard to watch. Well, and so they lost 104 to 100. And I really thought that game was interesting. I wish I could have been watching by an avid Thunder fan who has been a Russell Westbrook defender <laughs> because that game had to be, I think as a Thunder fan, you had to be thinking, Wow, we got it. We got a point guard who makes the right play every single time, and and that's just something they haven't seen in a while. And then to not, if they pull up Twitter, they had to see the people hating on Westbrook. And I wonder, do they still defend him, or do they kind of go, okay, maybe I see what y'all were saying for the past ten years? Yeah, I I know a lot of people from Houston, and not a lot of Thunder fans, but I see plenty on Twitter. And God, it would I would lose my mind if I was a fan of either of those teams. It just the the back and forth volatile nature of the Russell Westbrook show. And it, it, it would just drive me crazy. Well, And I had a problem with Harden at some point, like say what you will about Russell. He will, he wants the ball. I think the problem Every with time. Russell right there is he wanted to put out the thunder. If I'm Harden and if I have Harden on my team, the MVP, probably the best, I, his game annoys me. I could go on a big rant about his game, but he's one of the best one-on-one players in the game right now. And he didn't, there's like a video, someone put it out on Twitter. There's a video where for four straight possessions, he didn't even really make like, it didn't look like a guy who wanted the ball. Like you see Donovan Mitchell in game seven tonight. He was calling for the ball. Harden looked like he was like, oh, Russ is going to take it. Okay, I'll just go stand in the corner. And that's not what I want my MVP doing, right? No, he looked relieved that there was another person out there to to take those shots. And and. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm on the same page as you, James Harden. You cannot deny what he's able to do. I think he may be the best scorer I've ever seen, him and Kevin Durant. But it, it's it's too much in the playoffs with him. Sometimes he just goes a little rogue, and and you can't have that from your from your MVP, like you're saying. Well, and and I know Houston fans have given us for years the well, he gets he's tired. They have so much workload. Well, we had a three month or what four month break before the bubble started. This is just who Harden and, is. Yeah, as a Blazer fan, I don't want to hear anything about tired. <laughs> I watched Damian Lillard play 15 straight playoff games, and he may have fizzled out. It may not have mattered. I, I mean, these guys are professionals. They're playing in the playoffs. 
And I don't hear it. what's going to bother me, though, is what we're going to see in Game 7. Now, this is just a prediction. Hopefully I'm wrong because I'm rooting for OKC because I've been a Chris Paul believer for a long time. And I don't know if you are in that same boat. But the, <laughs> what, what's going to end up happening is Harden's going to go for 37, 12, and 12. They're going to hit their threes. And the Rockets are going to win by 15 or 20. And then you're going to see all the Rockets, guys. Here we go. This is the Rockets. They're going to beat the Lakers. They're a bad matchup. And it's just so frustrating and annoying. The first two games of this series, Houston Rockets Twitter, yeah, I mean, you would have thought it was already the finals. But but like that, that's the whole Houston Rockets experience to me. Well, and I, you, by the way, let's shout you out at Braden May underscore OJ on Twitter because you, you tweeted right. this too, and it was perfect. That game – Five, I think it was the Rockets in a nutshell. The first, the third quarter, they come out, hit eight threes in a row, build a twenty point lead, and then they go. You can't stop when it. they make it; they're great, and you, you can't stop it. Yeah. But then you get like that game seven against the Warriors a few years ago, where they go zero oh, for whatever it was twenty eight from three. And and there's no plan B. And I don't know if this is on D'Antoni. I think if 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 they lose tomorrow, I think D'Antoni's gone. If they lose in the next round, he still might be gone. Poor Daryl Morey. He's doing everything he can to get the best players in the league to Houston, and it's just not working out. But this is the style of basketball they've committed to. If the three isn't working, then then th- there's nothing they can do. And and I see people on Houston Rockets Twitter complaining about free throws, and I'm not even saying they're wrong. But when you chunk 63s a game. How can you expect to sh- to sh- to get points at the line? I mean, it it blows my mind. It really does. It, and, and and like I said, when they're good, you literally can't stop it. But that's why I picked OKC in seven to win this series, and why I don't think that the Houston Rockets plan is good for a seven game playoff series. So you stick with that pick? With you, that still pick, pick you still pick OKC? I, I don't think OKC has looked good at all. Uh, I, I think Houston should win tomorrow. I'm not going to go back on my pick because I wrote it down on on <laughs> August 17th and it's on this piece of paper but right next to me. So I, I'm going to stick with OKC. Uh, but but th- there's just as high of a chance of Houston coming out and hitting 25 threes tomorrow as there is them coming out and hitting 13. So it, 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 I have no idea. I don't think anyone does. But that's why this, is, this was a good series coming into it and why I'm looking forward to Game 7 a lot more than I was looking forward to this Game 7 tonight. Um, moving on to the other game that we watched uh, tonight would be the Boston-Toronto. Boston's now up 2-0. No Gordon Hayward in this series, and they've and they've yeah. reached the funny. We talked about the the roller coaster that is the the Houston Rockets. Well, that, we just watched in this Boston-Toronto game the roller coaster that is Marcus Smart. I don't think that man has ever met a shot that he doesn't think is going to go down. Insane. No, no chance at all. He's got this same confidence as Russell Westbrook and he's almost as bad as a shooter as Russell Westbrook. And it, but you're right. He will take any shot in the books and if he hits them, it swings a series and that's exactly what we're seeing. And I think it's, it's Brad. So the reason we're bringing this up, if you didn't see the game on in the, I think it was the fourth quarter, he opens the fourth quarter with five straight threes. Was that right? One of them was an end one. <laughs> and he hadn't hit the red side of a barn the first three quarters. He couldn't do anything. And then no. all of a sudden he's making nope. three after three. And I think this is one, if you ask Brad Stevens, if you got him in a room or if we got like, you know, me, you and him got in a room, we just said, what do you think about Marcus Smart shooting? He'd go, I wish he would take less. But yeah. Marcus Smart brings so much to the Celtics that I think it's it's the same way back in the day the Celtics actually used when they had Perkins, when the, they had the big three oh eight Celtics. They would give Perkins a few touches, even though he was god-awful down there and probably got you a bucket every 10 touches. But they would still give him a few just because you got to keep that defensive guy happy that's going to box out all game and do all the dirty work. And that's what Smart does. I respect his game, 
I just, God, if he could just take maybe four less threes a game, he'd be better for the Celtics. But then he for has sure. tonight like he did tonight where he hits five and wins a game for him. And he also hit five in game one. In game one, he was five of nine. So he's 11 for 20 in the series. He was two of 15 from three in the first round. And I, I, another shout out, I, did, I looked up this up and tweeted it earlier. In the history of the NBA, with players with over 1,800 three-point attempts, Marcus Smart had these ninth-worth three-point percentage. He's quite literally one of the worst three-point shooters of all time. And he's well, 11 for 20 to start this series. Well, and I think Marcus Smart sees like some of the analytics and he sees some of the other guys like the Stephs and, and Harden. He goes, well, see, they shoot 10 a game because if they make four or five, it's worth it. And I get yeah. that logic. But the problem for is, sure. Marcus, is you don't hit four or five a game. Usually, you shoot him at 30%. You're 30%. Yeah. Yeah. So he's and interesting. Go ahead. This is just a – obviously, this is not true. But it feels like when guys like that, like Marcus or like Kendrick Perkins, when like when Kendrick Perkins makes a dunk, it feels like it was worth three points. Or when Marcus Smart <laughs> makes a three, it feels like he just scored four points. You know what I mean? Because they just – they have to work so much harder to hit these shots. It just, it just feels like it's a bigger swing. So before the series, I believe you were taking Raptors, correct? Yes. Has that changed or – no, I, I, I didn't envision Marcus Smart shooting 11 for 20 from three to open the series. No, I, so, so the reason I, I was so big on the Raptors, one was when Hayward went out. I, I thought that the Raptors were going to be able to go to Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka off the bench, and the Celtics are going to have to go to Simi Ogile, Brad Wanamaker, and Robert Williams, who's also been amazing. But I, I just thought the Celtics were going to get killed in those minutes. In game one, Ogile, Wanamaker, and Williams were all plus five. In this game, Ojale's plus seven, Wanamaker's minus three, and Williams is plus two. They're not getting killed in those minutes, and that's when I th- thought the Raptors would, would really take advantage. The problem with me with the Raptors, and I've had this conversation with other people, that they are a tough team, and I knew they were going to be a tough out. They kind of have that as the, the saying that gets the broadcasters yeah. love, the championship pedigree. They, there is something to that. They do have that best coach in the league, too. And, yes, Nick Nurse is the best coach in the league. But my problem with them is when it gets to the second round and later, a lot of times it often turns into who's the best player on the court. Mm -hmm. And I I love Pascal Sackham as a player. I just don't think he's ready. He's not there yet. Whereas Jason Tatum, he might not be, you know, in our list of top five or whatever. He's But he's ready to be the best player on the court in any given game. And that's why I took Celtics, even with Gordon Hayward being out, because I just think when it gets ugly, Pascal has no – he gets when he gets ugly and they need him to get a bucket, it turns into an ugly post possession. It's not what I really want to see. He still can end up with 20, 10, and five, but it's just not what I want to see, really. Yeah. So, as someone who has put some stock into the, the Raptors in this series, I was, I was watching, I mean, I watch all the games, but I was watching this one tonight and thinking to myself, who do I really feel comfortable with with the ball? And you know who I most possessions? It was Fred Van Vliet, who had a horrible yeah. game one. But let's this, Lowry, so first game in the bubble, they played the Lakers. Lowry was incredible. I think he had like 33 and 14 rebounds, and he's like not even six feet. He was all over the place. Yeah, he, he, was, he was great. Since then, 13.4 points per game, 5.5 assists per game, six rebounds. He's missed two games, three turnovers, so only two more assists than turnovers per game. 37% from the field and 28% from three. It, I mean, he, he's, he's horrible right now. He, well, he just can't I, figure it out. May I remind you, I mean, this is the Lowry. I think we're kind of 
uh, were a little brainwashed after we watched them win a finals, partly yeah. due to Kawhi Leonard just going 100%, 100%. crazy. 100%. And this is the Lowry that was with DeMar Rosen that never got out of the first round or at least never could even win a game against Cleveland. There's a reason why they struggle in the playoffs often. It's, I like Lowry, but he's just it's tough when he's your first or second best player unless you have the best guy on the court at all times like yeah. they did last year in Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I agree. It's it's the same old thing with with Lowry tonight. He in the first half he couldn't hit a three. He was zero for three, I think. And the Raptors were six for twenty three. So I mean, it, they're just not making their shots. And Boston is, and that, that like I think on the season, Raptors are like a top five three point percentage shooting team. And Boston isn't bad, but they're not as good as the Raptors. So uh, Lowry's just not helping them out. They're not hitting their shots. It's been probably the worst two game scripts for the Raptors to start. And to to go on your Siakam thing. I don't. I think we might do Giannis later, but Siakam to me is just—he's like. I don't know if this is disrespectful to either party. He's like seventy percent of Giannis. It's—it's he'll face a guy up, he'll jab right, he'll spin back left and back him down, and then if he can't if he can't bully him all the way to the basket, it's you've just wasted fourteen seconds and get nothing out of it. Yeah, he might get there one day because if you look at his his progression as a pro, it's been great to see where he started just what three or four years ago, but he's a great second best player. He's a great Robin. He's not ready to be Batman. I think personally, that's why I'm giving up on the Raptors in the series. It's early. It's still only 2-0. I just don't trust him because I don't trust. I'm with you. I think Fred Van Vliet is the guy I most want the ball. And I just don't know if I like that to win a series. Yeah. So let's go to Giannis, as you mentioned in that Miami series, they're now down what 1-0 and, the defensive player of the year, and I know I'm just going to get you started here because I think we're on the same page. Well, I think I like Giannis a little more than you do because I saw a lot of spice being thrown on Twitter. Uh, the defensive player of the year was guarding Jay Crowder while Jimmy Butler was going off for 40. And side note, how hilarious was it that Joel Embiid is out there just trolling the Sixers front office by talking about how good Jimmy Butler is? Yeah, when, when Joel Embiid tweets, that's just – that's just good stuff. You look forward to that every time. <laughs> but so Giannis, so the MVP, probably the MVP. I don't know if he is. I think LeBron should win the MVP. They'll LeBron win. could probably win the MVP every single year, but Giannis yeah. is going to end up winning it. Also, I could, like as I mentioned, one defensive player. There. Then after the game, they even asked him, like a reporter asked him, did you did you want to guard or why weren't you guarding Jim Butler? Jim Butler? To some extent, he was like, why would you ask? And he was like, um, because you're the defensive player of the year and he was going off. I don't I don't know. And he was like, no, I do what Coach says. Okay, you know, playing the good soldier. But at some point, you saw Donovan Mitchell tonight saying, I'm going to go guard Jamal Murray. Even if I get burned, if I'm the star, especially if I'm a star that is the defensive player of the year, give me that matchup every single time, right? Right. And we're talking about Donovan Mitchell taking on a matchup with Jamal Murray, who just put 50 on his head, and he's averaging like 35 in this series. And Jimmy Butler... I mean, I've never been super impressed with Jimmy Butler. He went insane the other night, but it was his best playoff game of all time. I mean, he's not going to do that again. He's not a good shooter. Most of his points, shout out my guy on Twitter, CJ Vogel. He's been on this for a while. Most of his points come from the free throw line, and it's way more than guys who get who get crap for it, like Harden. I mean, it, so, so Jimmy Butler is not a tough matchup for Giannis. He should be on him if he's going crazy like that every time. And then what was it? I, I, I need to pull it up. The fourth quarter stats for our boy Giannis. What do, yeah, do you have it in front I of you? I had it at some point. No, I don't have it in front of me. It was something like one of four field goals. I mean, you remember the the two turnovers? I think he had there at the end. It 
it was not. I mean, he, he threw the game away, basically. I mean, uh, Jimmy Butler took it from him. Let's give some credit to Jimmy Butler. But it, Giannis, the MVP and defensive player of the year, he should put that game away. And he didn't. And he, and he was, and what'll end up happening? Giannis is a good player. I like him. I think I get why he, he's talked about in the top three. He's, but the problem it becomes, it's kind of like we mentioned with wing player. You need someone who can score in multiple ways. And Giannis turns into, I'm going to just put my shoulder down and run as hard as I can into the paint. And hopefully I get a dunk or a layup. And that's all good, but he's not even a great passer. So when they, cl- when they collapse on him, he's not even necessarily going to get you the best look. It, Let's go back in that game one. It wasn't like he didn't have guys playing around him. Brooke Lopez was on fire. Give Brooke Lopez some help. I mean, I mean who, thought, <laughs> who thought that would be? You know what I mean? And Chris Middleton, who's historically a terrible playoff performer, he's never really given Giannis help in big games. He was great. He was great. It really came down to Giannis didn't show up and Jimmy Butler did. And then it's one if you don't make your shots, you don't make your shots, but you got to switch over and guard Butler. So I personally, I was in, I really like the Miami Heat this year. I think not to like Man. win a championship, but I just think they're a good right. roster. They can make some noise. I would not be all that shocked if they beat Milwaukee. Do, what, do you have a, a opinion on or like a, a strong opinion on who you think comes out of that series? I think Miami's going to win it. So before on my piece of paper here, I put I put Milwaukee because before the playoffs started, and and if you gave me Miami at, at even odds, I'm not bold enough to pick to pick Miami to beat Milwaukee. Right. There, Milwaukee's just they've got Giannis, they've got a little bit too much. But watching them in the bubble, they're so well coached. They've had guys step up like Jay Crowder is hitting threes like like crazy. I mean, he's hitting them all. Duncan Robinson, of course, is an absolute sniper. Tyler Hero looks like he belongs in the league already. Uh, I mean, Dragic. Oh, Drogic's out of his mind. I mean, Drogic's that guy that he just hits shots that if he's not on your team or if you're rooting for the other team, it just frustrates you so much. So I, I, I took – before the playoffs, I took Milwaukee, and I've got Milwaukee picked, but I had him in seven before the playoffs, and since then I've changed. I think Miami's going to win this series. I, I think they've got – they played too well together. They've got too many guys that can knock down shots, and Milwaukee was the worst team in the league, I think, at letting up threes. Miami's drilling their threes. They've got way too many shooters. I, I think I think they win this series. I really do. And I think once – if we see Milwaukee bounce in the second round, there's going to have to be a real conversation about where does Giannis actually stand? Because I get the stats are incredible. You know, he yeah. does it in the regular season. But when it's, when it's nut-cutting time in the playoffs, I, there's just been more often than not where another player steps up and the best player on the court is not the MVP, at least who we're giving the MVP trophy to. Yeah, that's my whole thing about Giannis. I don't want to go too crazy. That's why I haven't yet on Twitter. I got, I got <laughs> so off because I was, I was excited about that win. But I am ready to do the the Charles Barkley, we are going to start a dialogue picture. I really am. <laughs> so there, there may or may not be some tweets in the drafts just ready to be fired off. Oh, they're ready. They're ready. Trigger, yeah. And Trigger is <laughs> it's not on the figure yet, but it's, it's going to be. And, and look, here's my thing about Giannis. He's amazing. You can't deny the stats. But like, it, the dumbest way I know how to explain it is he has no bag. Like he just doesn't. So, I mean, he's, he's, he plays football like Trent Richardson, or he plays ba- basketball like Trent Richardson played football. And it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And if it doesn't, like the, in late games when the whistles tighten up, the lane clogs, it, I just don't think that he can close games unless he starts to expand his game. And he's not there yet. And no. mo- moving on to, I kind of want to do a little bit of talk. It, it seems like forever ago because the games happened so so quick now. But the Mavs Clips first round, the, the Clips knocked them out. 
Um, mm-hmm. One, I just want to get your opinion. Has it's early, very early. Has Luca yeah. put himself in the top five in active players right now? Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready to do it. Really? Okay, for sure. For me, for sure. Uh, I, I live in Dallas, but I'm not a Mass fan. Never consider myself to be a Mass fan. In fact, I'm. I'm mostly annoyed by everything that's going on <laughs> by their fans and stuff. Just growing up around so many of them, Luca, I'm 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 ready to to talk crazy about Luca. He's insane. He's so smart. He's so skilled. Uh, his his shot is gonna get better because there's not like a hitch in it, you know, like Giannis has had. Um, I, I think what the next step for Luca is he needs to get with LeBron and figure out how to take care of his body the yeah. way LeBron did. And if he does that. It's a wrap. Well, it, and that's really – that was the only real, f- like, red flag besides some yeah. – every team that picked anybody ahead of Luka, you know, you're going to take know. that to the grave. But yeah. but the only red flag really was, well, he seems to have a little bit of a weight problem. He kind of fluctuates and might not hit the well, gym. baby fat, yeah. Yeah, but I, if you watch his game, his game is there, and I think it, you're right. If he, can, if he can get – and it's easy to say because LeBron is one of those guys who I swear spends – probably half of his day in the gym or in some kind of cryo chamber or some, some crazy thing. Yeah. So if Luka can do that, he may move to one of the top players of all time. But for now, he just needs to keep working where he's at. I, he had the series, let's see, 29.6, 10, and 9. So for your first playoff series, pretty damn impressive, especially going against two wing defenders who are really good. But – Wild. I want Kawhi did kind of remind everyone just like first off I think in the series I didn't ha- I don't have it pulled up but I think in the series he averaged 32 12 and like five or something yeah. but he does it quietly because he's Leonard just does everything quiet because it's not like crazy step backs or anything he just gets where he needs to get and he gets the bucket that he finished in game six 33 14 seven and five at one point in the second half when the Clippers when they entered the second half Clippers holding a six-point lead his third quarter, he went 15 points, five for six shooting, five rebounds, and two steals. And then the Mavericks had that little that little comeback. They hit a bunch of threes. And so Doc just went, okay, let's just put Kawhi back in. Four straight possessions, four for four, eight points, stretch that lead back out. In the second half alone, he went 24 points on nine of 10 shooting. Dude's just – He's a killer. What, is he – I mean, I know you – I know we're both pretty big LeBron stands here. Where does Kawhi land on just best players right now? Is he number one? No, not for me. <laughs> Quick, no for me. I, I have my reservations about Kawhi, and I think is there that, a conversation to be had, or is it not even a conversation for you? Is KD healthy? Let's let's assume because I, I I I hope KD comes back healthy. This was what me and me, me and someone else were talking about. If if it's healthy, KD, I still take LeBron one. I just think LeBron does more for everyone around him. Yeah. Uh, healthy KD, I think I take K. I don't know. That's where I'm torn. Healthy KD. Okay. They're two and three, but I don't know where I put them. Where do you, you sound like you know? But it's it's a top five for me that it is really interchangeable. It's LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Harden, and then like I said, I'm throwing Luca in there. So Kawhi in that top group, he's just such a killer. He's the best perimeter defender in the league. If he's guarding you and you're not a top ten player, it's most likely just clamps. On offense, he can get to his spot like no one I've ever seen before. Turn around and shoot a missile right over you i don't know how it goes in but it never misses and some and it usually doesn't even hit net unless you're playing the right every time mike know. breen's calling so. his game every shot he takes he's like line drive but they all go yep. in like they're all line drive shots but they go in 
So I mean, in it in a in a era that's abandoned the the mid range shot, Kawhi is just knifing through the playoffs every year, dominating from the mid range. So, I, like I said, I have my reservations about Kawhi and some of the context around some of his team accolades. But as as a player individually in a vacuum, he, he's in that top five. I don't think he's number one, but I, he's up there. I think. Some people are hesitant, and I'm not, I don't know if this is you or not. I know some of the hesitancy to put him up there is his regular season stats don't always jump up. It's what he does in the playoffs. If you're going to put him up there, it's what he does come playoff time. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, if he does, if, if the Clippers do win another championship or win a championship, not another, but if he wins another and wins final MVP with the second team, He's got to get that, – that talk needs to be had. The same way this Giannis talk needs to be had, this Kawhi talk is going to need to be had about is he the second best player or the best player right now in the game. Yeah, I, I think we need to see how it happens because yeah. you can talk – you know what I mean? I mean, all rings are not equal at all. And Kawhi wouldn't wouldn't have one of those rings if certain things didn't happen and the other one you can debate about how important he was and whatever. You know, like, <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. That's for, it's for, it's, a, it's a conversation right. for another time. Right, right. He's playing amazing right now. But, uh, and yeah, like you are saying, about the playoff versus regular season stats, if we're just putting him in the top players in the league right now, I agree. Throw that regular season out of there. He really tries in the in the playoffs. If we're talking about, like, where he ranks on, like, the all-time pyramid, then I wish he would play more games in the regular season. I wish he would commit more to the entirety of his career type of thing, you know? But, uh, yeah, yeah. when you're just talking about what type of player is he at his best when it really matters, he's he's one of the top top guys in the league. No question. All right, before I let you go, Braden, we, we do have to – I do have to ask the question, where is – and you already admitted, or not admitted, but stated that you are a Blazers fan. So, yeah. when it comes to Dame Lillard, Overrated, underrated, properly, properly rated. Where do you stand? Because I have an opinion. Yeah, so I, I think he was underrated for a very, very long time. That's kind of his whole shtick, coming from Weber State, chip on his shoulder type thing. Uh, I underrated the hell out of him as a Blazers fan. I remember sitting and watching that draft. We had the sixth pick. It was the highest pick we had since I became a Blazers fan. I wanted Thomas Robinson out of Kansas. I wanted <laughs> my whole life. I, I I was dead wrong. <laughs> Dame won rookie of the year. I was I was quickly proven wrong. Thomas Robinson actually ended up coming to the Blazers. Did absolutely nothing. So I got my wish, and it didn't work. But um, anyway, th- I mean, th- the thing about Dame is, I mean, he's incredible. Obviously, he's he's one of those players that I was talking about with Jamal Murray earlier. He's nuclear when he wants to be. Uh, his offensive package is unlimited. He can obviously shoot from half court. I also think his his Finishing at the rim is way better than people give him credit for, probably because it's just not as fun to watch, obviously. Because we're uh, taken aback by those forty foot bombs. Yeah, exactly. How do you get how do you get excited about layups when he's when he's doing stuff like that? He averaged, I think, the third most assist in the league this year is a career high for him. He can definitely play make, even though that wasn't really his thing come in. He was just a blistering scorer. He's got some questions in the playoffs. You can't get swept by the Pelicans. I mean, uh, he's he's had he's had some more bad series, and he's had some amazing ones like the Thunder or like the Rockets. You know, the, everybody remembers the buzzer beater shots. I totally get it. I totally get people who have problems with his play, playoff things. I think he's being asked to do a lot in a small market that's built from the ground up, and he is loyal to the soil, like he raps about. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate it, but I I, I will admit. 
that my bias, I probably overrate him because of my bias, but I think he's gotten back to leveled out where he needs to be. See, I think you were correct. At one point in his career, he was definitely underrated. And I think because these, the shot, we, we, like you said, we have seen the shots he made and they're, uh, like him hitting that shot against the Thunder, waving goodbye to him. I mean, and the fact that we, the same way we mentioned James Harden earlier, not going to get the ball, that is not Damian Lillard. He nope. will go nope. take that ball from CJ McCollum. He, he, he wants to. all of the smoke, every bit of it. So <laughs> I, I credit him for that, but I think he is now vaulted, and a lot of it happened because of the bubble. And he was great. It was really good, but he went from underrated and then never got to properly rated. He just went straight. I, and I'm, I'm calling him overrated, but I'm not saying he's a bad player by any stretch. I just – Need to see him, and you kind of preface this, but I need to see him have – I think he's had just as many rounds where he's won one or fewer games yeah. in the first round as he has gotten past the first round. You got to change that. Yeah, it's not great. Not a good look, and he's 30. So it's like, you know, he's starting to run and out I'm, of time to flip And I'm narrative. looking at some of his playoff – and a lot of his playoff losses he shoot like this past year and against the Lakers, he shot 46% from the field, and he averaged 38-4. and four. I mean, he was really good. They just yeah. we we got all excited. We as in yeah, NBA yeah. fans, NBA fans I, got. I, I, you saw Charles Barkley. You saw all of them going. <laughs> yeah. This Blazers team—they're real dangerous. They're real dangerous, and it was like, yeah, but they still don't they, guard anybody. No, they were real fun, not real dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what NBA Twitter got swept away with. And and at times, even I was like, I don't know. They do have guards that can score, and the Lakers don't defend guards that well. You still had the best two players in the court wearing gold and purple, so that, that it ended up it ended up being Lakers. But just looking at some of his other series where they've lost, I mean, there's a lot of series where they lost and he shot under forty percent. And I think at some point he's a volume scorer. I I think he's getting better, and that's where you lose to because what I was going to look at was in a lot of those games he like there was times where he scored thirty and thirty one per game against when they lost to the Warriors in the second round. Which, by the way, he's lost two games to the Warriors, which was when the Warriors were the Warriors. So what can you do? Yeah. So did everybody else not named LeBron right. James? So right. But but you've uh, got inexcusable ones too, like the Pelicans. So I mean, I think the the next step in his game is being a better creator because, and I think he's getting there because we all know, and if you don't know by now, I mean, he gets whenever it's time to get his own shot, he's going to get it. Now mm-hmm. he just needs to be able to like what separates Luca from a lot of guys. And I'm not calling Luca better than Dame for sure. I don't know. I I, I think I am, but also I'm is. very biased with Luca. I'm 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 reverse biased there, and I think Luca's better. So it's and it's what <laughs> it's just making the right basketball play where Luca's going to get you that 35. But also, if there's a guy in the corner, I don't know how he sees half the people he sees, but he finds them. That's what Lillard needs to add to his game because when it comes to scoring, there's not a spot on the court. I was about to say. Once he crosses half, I mean, literally, once he crosses half court, there's not a spot I don't like a shot from him. So, yeah, I, I, I was agree I, agree. I was ready to to get ready to argue. And the main point I want to bring up because I know there's been, and this is something I think we'll have to talk about at another time because we're running out of time. But there's been a lot of slander on the Twitter feed from from OJ about the point guard <laughs> about Chris Paul, and I he has some playoff uh, early exits as well. But I, I think I could argue with you on him. Real quick on Chris Paul. I think he's an incredible player. He's one of the greats, the point god, whatever. There are only two teams in Western Conference history that have never made it to the conference finals. Not even the finals, the conference finals. The Hornets and the Clippers. And he had teams good enough to do some things on those teams. If you're Dude, that Hornets team, I'm not player, sure. The Clippers, yes, 100%. The, 100%. the last year on the Hornets is, I agree, first couple of years in the playoffs. Most people, I think you should you should give them 
a little slack in their first two years in the playoffs. The last year on the on the Hornets, they had some decent players. Like I said, I'm not even worried about him getting to the finals. He's he's never got to the conference finals as the best player on the team. And people like say he's undisputed best point guard of his generation. I don't know. I, like I said, in, like individually, he's an incredible player. I don't. Put, I try not to put a ton of stock into team accolades, but I just think. And like I said earlier, the way I kind of rate people is based on how I feel about them versus the public. And I just think he gets a little bit too much from the public. I can see, I can see that a little bit, but also I think if we really broke them down, there's some, some of those series, I, there's, it's a conversation. Yeah. I think Context it comes down matters. to opinions. Yeah. Uh, Context matters. The, my favorite thing that Chris Paul's doing though, and it's the, it was the shot. There's the camera angle from game six the other yeah. night where he's just staring at James Harden from the free throw line. Well, they're, they're both on the, they're, yeah. they're both like waiting to rebound and someone else is shooting, but he's just staring at Chris Paul or at James Harden. And you know, he's sitting there going, you wanted Russell Westbrook over me. <laughs> and yeah. as you lamented on Twitter, they traded, not only did they trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, four first future. round picks, like everything. Their they entire had. future, their entire future. If this James Harden and Russ thing didn't work out or if I don't, I mean, I think this is the last year of it, but if it doesn't work out, there's, there's no hope for them in the future. If it doesn't, I don't think I, I think we're already slowly seeing I agree. you can't be what Russell is and and it doesn't wear the wear and tear eventually get to you. And I don't know what his contract is. I think it's like two hundred million still left on that bad boy. So Crazy. he's not getting better at this point in his career. Right. Right. So it, it, it. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's uh, Just Press Play Pod. Uh, OJ, we really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to have you come on again because Pops and LJ, they'll watch some some playoff basketball, but I don't think they're quite as tuned into it at all times. So I, when, when we're ready to get in some in-depth conversation, we'll have to bring you back on. We really enjoy you coming on. Yeah. Appreciate you all having me, man. I watch pretty much every single basketball game nowadays. I was starved of it as we all were during the quarantine Happy to get it back. I watch other sports too, but I'll change my whole schedule around for an NBA playoff game. So, <laughs> well, like talking about it. Appreciate you guys having me on for sure. You and me both. And for all you listeners out there, don't forget you can get 20% off and free ship, shipping over at Manscaped if you put in the promo code armchair. And if you're going to go put your bets down, that's something we'll probably need to get uh, Braden on it too to talk about putting your bets down. If you're going to put them down, we'll do it over that. at betonline.ag. Get a free bonus for first-time users right now. Uh, OJ, we will catch you again next time. Peace out. Sweet. Later, guys. Appreciate it. cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader